Well, hello, everybody. It's Peter Dunn, and it's the Pete the Planner Show, live from my house. I'm snowed in. Uh, Indianapolis area got a full 10 inches-ish of snow, uh, and so uh, I'm stuck in my house. It's like COVID all over again. My kids are here e-learning. My wife is here. I'm drinking better coffee. I'm wearing sweatpants. I'm on the crystal clear fiber connection of my home internet provider. And joining me as always here on the show is Damian Dunn, uh, always snowed in at his compound. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Do you ever call your house a compound? Um, I think there's acreage requirements before you can call it a compound, and I don't think we qualify. Dame, you were out there pushing snow this week, as they say. That's right. My upcoming podcast, Getting Plowed with Damian. Uh, so, Dame, uh, can we talk at some point, maybe between segments, about uh, pushing snow? I have I have a million questions. Yeah, I'd welcome that. I did shovel some snow. I would also like to note that Ted uh, shoveled snow for the first time of significance because we just haven't had a lot of snow in the last few years, and he's now old enough to do it. And it kind of helped me out. I appreciate it. And I was like, man, glad he's around. You don't have a snowblower? Do uh, you want to hear a story? <laughs> <laughs> Several years ago, I bought a snowblower from Lowe's and uh, I bought it off the floor. It was already assembled. And so, you know, I, I'm not a big machinery guy. I don't know if you. Hmm. Okay. And so I bought some some oil, you know, so to, some to two cycle oil, I think is hmm. what they say. And I uh, got it home and I, you know, I tested, I took the dipstick out and I was like, I don't, doesn't seem like there's any oil in there. So I, I filled it with oil. I pulled to start uh, to start it, and uh, I overfilled it with oil. There was oil already in it. Completely seized it up, and it was it was dead, permanently dead on one pull start. So yeah, I had a snowblower. Did you take it back? I did take it back, <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? That's not for me. Oh, anyway, um, so this week on the show, hello, everybody. Hello, Jeremy, Jeremiah, and Levi. Um, Good day to you. Uh, Dame, this week on the show, we're going to talk about, like, how often should you really look at your investment statements? Okay. We're also going to talk about major economic news as consumer trends are shifting back to experiences and buying less durable goods, which is super interesting because, as we will explain, theoretically, it could solve the inflation issue if that all works out perfectly. And by the way, it will not work out perfectly. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and so much more. <laughs> but even though I'm at my home and not the office, I have a lot to do, a lot of very important things. So we got to get through the show today. Probably even more than usual. Oh, you have no idea. I will note that since I'm at home, I ate a human lunch yesterday. I, I ate my peanut butter and jelly and Cheeto sandwich that I've been eating since I was a little kid. Um, and we just happened to have some Trader Joe's brand Cheetos. And uh, I feel like a kid every time I have it. And it's delicious. And I will not I will not hear otherwise on that. God, the Cheetos really just throw me off in that whole recipe, I guess. I, I don't know. I, not right. Well, I do appreciate that you're not hating the player and you are hating the game. You shouldn't hate the game until you try it. Uh, if you have any sort of cheese snack, a Dorito actually even works. Uh, when you're Levi, it's not gross. You're gross. <laughs> Got him. 
<laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Um, some of you, by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a show and tell. Uh, so the, the podcast people, sorry, you're out. Uh, I got two show and tells for us today. Um, the first, for some of you, you might remember Alex, who used to be uh, part of the Pizza Planner team years ago. He'd be on the podcast. Great dude. Just love Alex. Played college lacrosse. Joined. Our, he was on our biz dev team. Every year, he sends a holiday card of he and his dog. Um, and th- I want to show this year's card because he's just, it's like, so Alex is also a photographer now. So it's just him, his dog. It just makes me laugh every year. He sends it, and it makes me happy. Uh, so there you go, podcasters. You didn't get anything. It's just a picture of a man in the back seat. His dog is driving. And the man has a beautiful mustache, as does the dog. Dave, do you view dogs have facial hair? I mean, like, does every dog have a beard and or mustache, or do you just like not account for the fact that they have fur on their face? Have you ever thought about this? No, I, I think they all have facial hair to some extent. Yeah, but what 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 makes it a beard? I mean, I know this is a financial show, but sometimes there's topics that are harder hitting than money. I mean, I guess you know when dogs start, you know, they get older and their muzzle turns, you know, white or or, or gray, then it looks like they do have uh, uh, some some facial hair. But no, it's not something I've really ever com- uh, contemplated. All right, I am really going to get the real show and tell here. This is actually more impressive than than Alex's mustache. Hold on. Okay. All right. So this isn't this is pretty intense. Um, I think I've told you about this, but I don't think I've showed you. Uh, 2014, Grandpa Dunn passed away. Uh, my dad's dad. We've talked about him a lot on the show. Uh, this past year, 2021, Grandma Dunn passed away. And as they were cleaning out their house, you know, after those things, you know, you know those things, you clean out house and people get things. Here's what I received as a, a as a memory of my grandfather and my my grandma. It is my grandfather's field binoculars from World War II. Nice. So I mean, uh, the people on the podcast are not seeing this. However, Damien, it's incredible. Like it's in really good shape. First of all, I know I'm banging on the desk. So podcast, you get to hear the percussion. Look at these field binoculars. Oh wow! These were on the beach of Iwo Jima. Wow. And I'm handling them with my grubby hands, which had a Cheeto sandwich yesterday. But isn't aren't those incredible? That's amazing. I know, like I keep these at my at my desk and at my home office. Um, which is like what? I, I will never personally have something attributed to me that is that interesting and cool. You know? Yeah, that's um, that's a that's a treasure. It is like. Ah, it just gets an emotional treasure. Uh, Jameson joins us from Texas. Jameson, uh, I'm guessing that you guys have not figured out the power grid yet. No offense, but Dame, have you heard from your, you have a couple Austinites in your team. Are they getting lit up? Uh, they had some issues last night uh, sporadically, but uh, they are A-OK this morning. Well, um, great. Okay, well, let's do some show. Um, I have, man, Levi does make a good point, even though I got him earlier. Levi says, it's a, it's nuts to imagine uh, what all has been seen through those glasses. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jameson says, little cold here um, and icy, but power strong. Oh, good. Okay. So, Dame, I, again, I'm, I'm on the road here at my house. So, I, I some of the... <laughs> The equipment I use to to make the show work, uh, I'm going to be struggling a little bit today. So let's get after it. In three, two, 
Oh boy, hold on. I got it. <laughs> this is not going to go well. Hold on, everybody. Okay. Podcast, pipe down. Do, do, do. Okay, this will work. Okay. Segment one. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Oh. Three, two. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And we will sometimes answer your question here on this very syndicated radio show and podcast. Joining you live from my palatial eighth of an acre in Carmel, Indiana, because, well, uh, I'm snowed in. So I brought some equipment home, recording uh, from our home. Damien Dunn, my co-host, always records from his northern Indiana compound. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. So here's what I can warn you about today. Sound quality could get weird. Number two, uh, you, my kids could make an appearance or their sounds could make an appearance. And it is almost guaranteed that I will be distracted out the window by the handsome dad who lives down the street, who has been walking his dog briskly this morning. And it's just distracting. I'll be honest. Any uh, chance for chipmunk appearances in the winter? I don't, I don't know how that works, how the, the ground squirrels handle 10 inches of snow. Dame, let's get to the show. Here's what we got this week. We, we are going to talk about how often should you actually look at your investments? I mean, it's a good topic, so we'll hit that. We're going to talk about how the economy is shifting and consumer habits may actually solve the inflation problems they theoretically uh, caused, and so much more. Dame, how often do you look at your statement? The actual statement itself? Yeah, okay, yeah. mm, That's a good question. Let's let's, let's think of it this way. When you think of your investments, how often do you look at the total balance? Let's say it that way. Okay. Um, probably way more often than I should. Ooh, really? Yeah. In good times and in bad? Yeah. yeah. I'm a good time guy. I look all the time <laughs> in the good time. In the bad time, I hibernate like a chipmunk under my porch. Um, I. Uh, where are all these things hibernating, by the way? Nobody you know what knows. I mean? It's like, you think it's like, well, okay, well, there's not like a bear in my yard. It's one of science's greatest mysteries. It might be. Um, I don't look during bad times. Now, here's the weird thing. I will look at the underlying assets individually, but I don't take into account the number of shares I have, mm-hmm. and I don't aggregate that data into a balance during bad times. So that is to say, since the second eh, first week of January of 2022, I have not looked. Interesting. I... I probably I probably check once a week would be my guess. Wow, why? I mean, I'm, this is I, not judgmental. I'm just curious. Just a discussion amongst two balls. Curiosity. Uh, honestly, I I don't make any changes. I, Does it make I, you feel a certain way? Uh, sure. I, when things are going great, uh, things are amazing. If things are going poorly, uh, I get frustrated. But I also have a good grasp of what time horizon is and that the history of the markets uh this is just a a blip in the radar but um yeah i i expose myself to way too many emotions by checking as frequently as i do yeah you know the thing is it's not like i would take action if i saw it if it would actually it wouldn't even ruin my day if i looked 
it's just always been my habit. I, I just don't look during rough market conditions. Although that being said, here's what I'm willing to do right now on the air. I'm willing to look at my balance right now Ooh. on the air. Uh, are you ready to go? I'm yeah. logging in. It's facial recognition. Uh, okay, so I'm going to try to get my face up to the screen. Oh, <laughs> that was a mistake. Why did I do that? Because it makes for good radio. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, I'm sad. Why, why, why did you let me do that? Because I had a feeling I knew what the results were going to be. And... Oh, yeah, it's not great. I mean, I'm down on this account. 13% since year end. Really? Year to date, you're down 13? Yeah, but I've got a couple positions specifically that are just getting yeah, I know dog walked. Yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. No, no, no. So I, I think I think the reason we're having this conversation is because too often people look with the idea that they're going to do something about it, right? I yeah. think what both you and I agree with is that we're not going to do anything about it. We're just looking because we're we're curious. It's the same way you read the comment section. I, I have to note when I write a piece of media, is that a thing? If I write an article and I know it's a, not a hot take and it's people are going to like it, and there'll be good comments. I'll read the comments, but I've gotten to this point now where if it's a little bit of a hot take or it's a controversial topic, I won't read the comments because I don't want people to yuck my yum. It's sort of the same way I feel about looking at my portfolio. Yeah. I mean, there's only a, a few options that you're going to have when you look at your portfolio, whether it's in good times or bad times, you're going to do nothing, which is almost always the right answer. You're going to uh, make an informed decision and a, that, that is wise for whatever situation you're in, or you're going to make an emotional decision, which is the worst thing that you can do. I, right now, it would be very easy for people to look at their portfolios, look at uh, some uncertainty uh, that they perceive in the markets or the, the economy or geopolitical stuff and say, you know what, I'm just taking this money out and going to sit on it. That would be an emotional decision. You might convince yourself that it's an educated decision, but it's probably more of an emotional decision. And that could come back to bite you big time. So if you're going to check it frequently, you better be really comfortable with just sitting on your hands and groaning like Pete did just a couple minutes ago and being happy with it. Uh, do you distinguish between the different accounts you have as to whether or not you would even consider taking action? For instance, if I look at my 401k right now, which I didn't, I just looked at an old IRA, which has got individual equities in it. Mm -hmm. But if I looked at my 401k, I don't know if I would care as much and I wouldn't feel at all tempted to do anything. But I look at this, it's not that I want to prevent myself from losing money. I look at this and I think, okay. Does it make sense to free up some cash and buy something since a lot of things are down? So, uh, but I don't think that way with my 401k. Does that happen for you? Do you, when you look at your balances, do you, do you view sort of uh, them differently? Yeah, I, I kind of go with just overall uh, purpose. If it's retirement, it's, it's got to be a really good reason to, to make changes going forward, whether it's a change in philosophy or the individual investments aren't doing well, or they need to be changed out, or I don't like them now for some reason, or my investment advisor doesn't like them for some reason. Um, but if it's a, a play money account, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, just something where it like my Robin hood account, it's been a well publicized, my Robin hood account. <laughs> uh, Sorry. I, it, 
I do whatever I want in there because Ooh. I I don't um, have any real uh, goals for for that account other than to try and figure out how uh, different things work and track things a little bit. And I don't know. I, it was opening the Robinhood account a mistake. Who's to say? But it's just how I view it. Yeah, it's interesting sometimes. I, I, I've just discovered this personality quirk about myself. Maybe everyone has it. When I know something's not going well, I just don't want to look at it. Like if I like currently right now, I'm a little uh, mm, 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 thick. <laughs> like I'm uh, I'm eating foods. Uh, I'm I'm a little heavy right now, but I'm not stepping on the scale. Uh, the market's killing my portfolio right now. And other than just five minutes ago, I don't really look. Uh, if I've got a piece of uh, media out there that people are beating up, I, I don't take joy in people killing it. Um, is that just me or is your personality trend the same way? If things are going bad, do you look or not? Uh, it's, I'm an all weather looker at this point. The question now for you, Pete, is when do you think you'll look again? If you get a nice little run in the market, will you look back? Oh, that's a good point. I'm not going to look on the scale, bathroom scale, until I get like the flu or something. <laughs> you know, uh, the market. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. One of my positions that we've talked about before is Amazon, and it got killed yesterday. But then earnings came out post market, and you know it was up like fourteen percent overnight. So I look. I mean, but again, I look at individual equities. I just never look at balances. Coming up after the break, Wall Street Journal had an article this week about trends in consumerism. We're going to talk about those trends and how it could actually solve the inflation crisis in our country. That's next. I'm Pete the Planner. How is that? Oh, Levi just looked. He's down 11% for the year. Yeah. I'm Dan, down. can you look real quick what the S&P is down for the year? Uh, five, almost six. Okay. Jeez. You had that that available? I just pulled up uh, our, our picks for the year. Since oh. I knew Amazon was one of yours and it made a big run, uh, I'd like to tell you that I am now thrashing you in the losers category. Okay. So, yeah, let's go through them. Uh, winners, Pete picked uh, Cush Wakefield, Cushman Wakefield. Yeah. Uh, down 5.2% for the year. I picked a total cheating pick of Brookshire Hathaway up 4.9% for the year. So I'm winning there. Losers, Pete picked Amazon, which I don't know why you did that, man. I mean, that's like just, I guess, salvaging some of your own uh, pain if, if yeah. they do go down. So down 6.8% now for the year. They oh. made a big comeback overnight. Yep. As you said, uh, pick Twitter. Twitter uh, down almost 17% for the year. What's Facebook down for the year? Can you look over? Uh, a bunch after yesterday. I uh, I don't have it. I mean, we are broadcasting right now on Facebook, and I'm I'm or Meta or whatever it is. I, I don't have like super hot takes on Facebook. I have to admit, I I enjoy using Instagram, which is a Facebook mm -hmm. product. I like streaming the show on Facebook, but I you know I don't get sort of general pleasure from Facebook. Down uh, almost 31% year to date. Oh, man. It was the biggest one-day decline in market history yesterday for an individual company. Someone just asked in the comments, and I'm going to uh, butcher the pronunciation of your name, so my apologies. Uh, could it just be Michael? Could it be Mikhail? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I'm, I'm sorry. Michael. Um, is that why Amazon is increasing prime fees? Um Potentially, but I will note that the increase in prime fees did lead to overnight um, bump in the stock price. So that's good. Sh Jameson, uh, listener of all-time best listener, 401k is down 5.65 year to date. That's not bad. I mean, depends on the allocation. It's true. 
I mean, James is much older, so he's more conservative. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Jeremy just looked at his uh, pilot, Jeremy. 7353 three, down. Mm. Hope he's not flying. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to this. You know what? You could stream the show over one of your planes. Oh, it's, it is Mikhail. Nice. Sorry. I was wrong. Damien doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, can you imagine if Jeremy streamed our show to all of the uh the the fuselage like there's the cabin like i there's airplane terms that i don't really know that i just throw around he's on the flight deck i don't think they call it the cockpit anymore probably not i i don't understand why it ever was the cockpit but i do understand why it is no longer the cockpit yeah it would be interesting to uh know the background of why that was called the cockpit no, I, 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 uh, did you ever know in the plumbing world, there's a lot of sort of sexualized plumbing terms that are just very acceptable within the plumbing world world. Um, I guess I never really put two and two together, but I'm thinking of the very limited plumbing vocabulary I have. And that doesn't, it, yeah, it makes sense. Like there's uh, uh nipples are a big mm-hmm. part of the, the plumbing business. Mm-hmm. Ball cocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, corky flapper isn't sexual, but it's a funny term. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't know. I remember when Mrs. Planner and I were dating in college and I worked at my parents' plumbing shop and not that I would go to her house for dinner with her parents and talk about the nipple trays I put together at the plumbing shop, but I don't know how it came up, but she was just shocked to learn of all the sexualized terms in the plumbing business. Hmm. Anyway, Dame, uh, Next, between the next segment, I want to hear about you pushing snow because I have a lot of questions. I'm ready to field all of them. All right, Dame. Let's <clears throat> no cough button here today. I don't you actually have, have a cough button. You, work. you have a you have a mute button on your screen. Shh. Okay. Quiet. Okay. Um. That's what a mute button does. Shh. In three. Oh nope. Uh, yep. And two. One. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame, the Wall Street Journal, which I read one to two columns per month because I don't have a subscription. Uh, can I tell you something before we get to going too far on this? I have yeah. tried to subscribe online to the Wall Street Journal at least four times, but I can't do it. I, I, it won't let me. Like I, I'm not kidding. It literally... Like there's something broken in their process. I've tried months apart. I want to get the Wall Street Journal. I cannot subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. Is it the email address you're using? I don't know. No, I've tried different emails. I, I used uh, my normal one and then I use my personal one. I've used different computers. I've used different browsers. I can't subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. They're withholding their Wall Street information from me. Tell you what, I'll subscribe to the Wall Street Journal on your behalf and then I'll just submit it as an expense. I don't, I don't like the way this is going. <laughs> Dame, uh, goods, including non-durable goods, such as food and clothing, and durable goods, such as cars and appliances, average 31% of total personal consumption in the two years before the pandemic. Okay, so uh, if you think for a moment uh, of how much people buy... of that was based on these two uh, types of goods, non-durable. So you think of them as uh, disposable, if you would, Mm -hmm. or durable, such as cars and appliances, things that have a longer shelf life to them. 
that soared to 36% of consumption, 31% to 36% in March and April of 2021. And this was right before COVID-19 vaccines became readily available. But since then, they've steadily dropped as people are saying, uh, I'm vaxxed and ready to party. I want to go out in the world. So, Dame, the question that we're going to explore right now is, one, uh, do we think this trend of spending less on goods and more on experiences is going to last for a while? And, And the bigger question is, could this really solve the inflation challenges we have in our economy right now. So I will take it to you. Where shall we begin this conversation? Uh, let's start with uh, the trend of moving from stuff to experiences. Let's start with the qualitative anecdotal analysis of this. Dame, are you buying more uh, experiences or stuff in your personal life right now? Uh, this is a conversation that my Mrs. Planner and I have had uh, frequently, but even recently really started to put into effect we've um really decided to focus on experiential stuff rather than than goods uh we've we've got too much stuff as it is and you know, it's interesting for a little while and then you lose interest and it just takes up space in your house and uh you know if you're trying to simplify things and uh, take some of that clutter out of your life whether that's physical clutter or mental clutter or just overall just making it feel like you you you're getting closed in on, man, we stop buying stuff. Start putting that money to, to a different sort of use. Go build some memories, but you can't put a price on the memories, right, Pete? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, it's, we're going to goods. My daughter recently I just had a birthday, and we asked her uh, if, if she would like to make this a more experience-based birthday, and she said, absolutely. So we did a couple nice things for her and some of her friends, and uh, it was great. I don't think she will ever regret having that that day versus getting um, some new clothes to to wear and grow out of and and get rid of you know for christmas this year uh, we always buy like a, a, a sort of a i don't know more substantial joint gift for the kids and this year i'm actually i'm at home, my home office today so i'm gonna a visual on the radio and the podcast is not good but we we, we wrapped up this piece of paper that said choose your own adventure mini vacation mm-hmm. uh any city in Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, or Kentucky, because we're like, okay, we, we could spend, oh, it doesn't really matter. Let's say 300 bucks, $1,000 on some joint gift. Like we could get a 3D printer that would sit in my home office and we'd make like a, like a trophy for our fantasy football league. And then it would just sit there or we could get out of the house. And, and I don't know. I just feel like more people are going to want to do that. I also have to note, uh, and these are all work trips, but I have five work trips planned over the next couple months and, and, uh, a, a personal family vacation. So like people are like ready to go. Like I, I, I do think there will be fewer goods purchased, which I think a could influence how people invest and B it could influence how this economy comes back. Yeah, I I don't disagree whatsoever. I, people, uh, some people have been traveling, uh, much more comfortable traveling for a while. But as uh, the other well, half or whatever percent of the population starts to feel comfortable getting out and getting back into their lives and experience things, we're 
we're going to see people getting out and about and you know hopefully that means uh, local restaurants are being taken care of a little bit more and uh, travel destinations who are heavily reliant on travel um, travelers and, and uh, income that way uh, are taken care of so it'll be interesting to see how the cash flows change and then maybe if these behaviors and preferences stick long term maybe we become a, a less uh, goods consuming society and more of an experience-based society going forward that'd be really interesting I am curious as to how the grocery business has changed in the last six to eight months um, as people are out and about. And, and uh, obviously, Omicron was not helpful in that regard. I, I bet they had a boost again. And I, I do think when this is all said and done, whenever that is, um, it will be fascinating to look at the economics of all this, of, of what it did to the grocery store business uh, and, and how it changed things like carry out and uh, services like DoorDash or Grubhub. Like, I mean, we're talking about some uh, life changing economic events that could last for a while. If you, if you think about Uber and Airbnb, uh, some believe those services really grew out of the great recession because people uh, wanted to hustle and get back on their feet. And the, the, you know, the sharing economy sort of, was rooted in that it is uh curious to think about like well what changed what new things are on the horizon because of of COVID times yeah I, we just aren't 100 percent sure on on where that's going to go but you know that there's um as you said there's there's plenty of opportunity for people to kind of reimagine their their futures at this point we we kind of went through this period where we were forced to do x y and z and and now that the it feels like the, the, the rains are coming off a little bit and we're going to be able to get out and, and explore and, and live somewhat of a, a normal life again. I think we're going to really uh, have a, a different feel going forward. Okay, so what about inflation, though? Because inflation has been uh, kicking people in the face. By the way, I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, I, I was on Twitter yesterday and uh, someone from our office tweeted a, a live event I'm doing. And the, the topic was something about how people's income is going down mm. because of all sorts of things. Government stimulus has gone away. Mm. So so our incomes have sort of gone down in 2022 back to normal levels. And someone noted, yeah, and I only got a 1% raise this year. and I And I saw that and I thought, I'm not casting stones here, okay? I'm not casting stones. What's the point of a 1% raise? Nobody like I wins. Thought, no, Nobody I mean, no, wins that. no one wins. It, it, is, it is almost more of an insult than it is help. Like, it, you might as well not give anyone a raise. 1%. I, mean, I guess if it's a, a real small business that's struggling and they, they're doing whatever they can to try and... Um, help their employees I, I, with seven percent inflation one percent raise man yeah i know i i'm not saying it's it's comfortable for anybody either the 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 company giving it to them or the the, the employee receiving it but yeah i know that in our executive meetings we made a, a decision to adjust what our typical cost of living adjustment was here for 2022 mm -hmm. i do feel like i'm casting stones at the people that gave a one percent raise my apologies i don't know your circumstances coming up after the break more of the pete the planner show right here on uh well wherever you're listening um yeah okay so this is interesting nick says his employer has done a thousand dollar bonus payment instead for exactly the same reason 
Um, yeah, sometimes by just saying, look, here's a thousand dollars as opposed to, uh, I'm going to take a thousand dollars split over 26 paychecks. Mm -hmm. It's just better to give someone a thousand bucks. Maybe. I mean, I'm weird as spitballing, but yeah. Um, Dame, it looks like we're going to that email, buddy. Okay. But first, a little segment I like to call Pushing Snow with Dame. Dame, last week on the show, we learned you do, in fact, have a pick-em-up truck. I do. I was both not shocked to learn that, but also shocked that I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I guess I would have assumed that you knew that, but we've never discussed pickup trucks. And so I, I guess it's reasonable that you wouldn't know that. I feel like I deeply offended your wife by not knowing you had a pickup truck. Eh, not deeply. <laughs> um, but I just have to note something. I, because I, I'm not rocking two screens today because I'm working from home. Um, my email inbox is currently filling up. And I'm waiting on some very significant emails to come to me today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close that tab because if I read an email and it's not, it, it would, the show would be over. Hmm. And so I'm showing restraint. Look at that. I appreciate that. Maybe. Dame, push and snow. Okay. You have a 2000 what truck? Three. It's uh, an old uh, truck that has been used for plowing and salting and pulling trailers and mowers and all sorts of great stuff, but okay. it still runs. So when it's just hanging out, let's say it is August 15th, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the snow plow attached to it, right? No. The blade, they yeah. call it in the biz? Yeah. And so how long does it take to attach a blade to a pickup truck? A couple minutes tops. What? Yeah. You don't need a wrench? No. How do you do it? Uh, you've got a receiver on the front of the pickup truck, and you pull up to the plow. The plow slides into the receiver. You flip a couple hooks down, make three connections, go in, hit the button on the uh, control module. Uh, it's a joystick anymore, uh, and you're off and running. And I mean, who taught you how to do these sorts of manly things? Oh, my dad. My, yeah. My Papa Tom. I've been plowing plowing lots and driveways since well before having a driver's license. Okay, so this is where I'm very interested in what's going to happen. Because I do love the economics of snow, I have to admit. I love the idea that my neighborhood homeowners association has been sitting on plowing funds for the last several years Mm -hmm. because there hasn't been any snow to plow. And then my, my neighborhood is plowed, like plowed. And I also wonder where have all those funds gone over the last few years, but that's neither here nor there. I don't ask to audit those statements. Um, when you push snow, Dame, mm-hmm. do, does it have an economic impact on you? Not anymore. Okay. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I pay for gas and gas mileage while plowing is laughable. Oh, aerodynamics. Oh, yeah. Just you're carrying an extra, you know, 600 pounds of weight and you are stopping and starting and using a lot of uh, accelerator to get things started. Uh, it's it's back and forth and stop and it's it's uh, tough on the old gas mileage. What do you, you said you push snow this week. What Did you just push your driveway? My driveway, uh, my mom's and my in-laws. Wow. And But nothing else? No, I mean, I've, I've 
maybe dropped in and plowed so that other people's driveways just as uh, a courtesy every once in a while if I know they uh, could could use a, a little bit of help and I don't want them out doing their own driveway. So, How much did you charge your mom this year? Zero. Um, could you do my driveway next time? Sure, there'll be a fee associated with it. All right, let's get back to the show. Dame, let me pull up this email you sent me. I would probably have to stop and fill up the truck with gas on the way down. Um, what else do you want to tell us about pushing snow before we move on? Uh, it's a lot of fun the first night you do it. After that, it loses its luster really quick. So I have I have a concern. Um, aren't you just terrified of damaging things with the big plow? You get over it. We get over what? You get over your fear or you get over the fact that, that you are going to damage things and it's just part of it? Um, if you do it professionally, if you do it to make money, you will most likely damage something. Whether it's something that you hit, uh, something that, that hits you because they weren't paying attention, or you have a, a mechanical breakdown in one way, shape, or form. And if you do that, you're plowing season, you're hoping to break even, usually, if, if you have a major mechanical malfunction um other than that i mean you just you you become one with the truck and the plow pete and you know where it's going and where you're pushing and how much you can slide it's it's a beautiful thing pete all right we're moving on all right three two one back on the pete the planner show uh if you missed us during the break well it's because on the radio they play ads and, and things uh that help support the show um, but we were talking about the business of snow plowing. Damien has a blade that he puts on front of his truck and plows things. And uh, that's a good time. Dame, um, we got an email at the ask Pete at Pete, the email inbox. And it says, Pete, we are very late in the game to start planning for retirement. I'm almost 50. And my husband, well, he's 56. We just started our first IRA in February, uh, I assume of last year, or, or maybe this year, and uh, are each putting in $200 a month. Otherwise, we have no retirement whatsoever. So Dame, uh, from what I'm hearing so far, there's either $400 in there or uh, $4,800 in there, depending on whether it was this February or last February, it, right? It was uh, last February. All right. So there's $4,800 plus whatever the market did or and then recently took away. Um, we own small businesses and kept having issues getting things started as we were living uh, paid job to paid job. Feel you. Uh, however, we were in a bad accident and are getting a settlement and we need guidance on what to do with the money and the super and be super smart about it so we can survive retirement or ever retire at all. Dame, it's not that unusual. First of all, thanks for your email. It is not that unusual for people at 50 to realize, whoa, we, we haven't actually saved whether it is uh, an afterthought, like, like oh, I, I forgot, or... Man, just life dealt you circumstances in which it just wasn't feasible. Dame, does your answer for this person change based on whether it was an afterthought or just life dealt them a tough hand? I don't know if it changes all that much. I, we're in the same spot one way or the other. The result is you've become acutely aware of the situation and you know you need to change it. So if it was an afterthought, um, that's one thing. If it was... Um, 
circumstances beyond your control, maybe that's another, but you are where you are right now. And it sounds like it's going to be a priority going forward. So I'm not all that worried about how you got to where you are right now, rather than what you're going to do going forward. In situations like this, and there's two other circumstances that, that always make me think of this when someone's getting out of significant credit card debt or, um, they did not, a person did not fund college for their oldest child and they got to figure out what to do. And they have a, a, a second child, at least a second child. Here, here's, here's my first action step are the behaviors. And that's not meant to sound judgmental, but it's mm-hmm. just, it's reality. Mm-hmm. Are the behaviors or circumstances which led to the current conundrum still mm-hmm. present? Because, uh, this is especially true with, cre- true with credit card debt is that someone will make uh, to, an effort to get out of credit card debt, but they've never changed the spending habits that got them into credit card mm-hmm. debt. So they're likely to, to end back up in credit card debt. So, Dame, I wonder what these people, it does seem circum- like it's circumstances. And I, I can't say for sure unless I knew if they were making above living wage or not. Uh, but at the same time, we are all dealt some level of resources and we have to be resourceful with those resources in, in all respects. And that seems like what it needs. And again, not judgmental. I'm just being honest. That, that does seem like it needs some improvement here. Here's my question. And I'm, I'm, I think I might be right. Are these people serial entrepreneurs? Because you, you realize that as you're trying to start businesses, Sometimes it takes every penny you've got trying to plow it back into the business and keep it going and try and develop new lines of income um, that you don't have time to to save for retirement. And you think that, well, this business is going to be my retirement because I'm going to sell it down the road. Maybe they haven't had real good luck getting any of their prior businesses off the ground and they keep finding themselves starting over a new clean page. Let's do it again. It's going to be right this time. We're going to get it right. And it's going to be everything that we want it to be. It's going to provide a nice income and it's going to give us that retirement going forward. And they get up one morning at age 50 and 56 and they say, maybe we ought to look at another solution here. And we're going to open those IRAs and start putting it away that way and hope that our businesses succeed and grow to something that we can sell to supplement our retirement income needs in the future. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, that's entirely possible. I, I think the the biggest issue here be, besides behavior is, yes, you need to attack retirement from an asset building perspective, but you also need to put yourself on a path to eliminate obligations mm-hmm. as you get closer to retirement. So you're sort of solving the problems from both directions. I, I am of the belief that most Americans who are off track get too one-sided uh, at their approach and their approach is, oh, we got to get some money. It's like, well, yes, but how about you get to a point where you don't need so much money, which is just a, a, a more reasonable approach for a lot of people, which is to say, what's going to happen with your housing situation and your, your monthly housing obligations as a 56 year old in the coming 10 years? Are you close to paying off your mortgage? Are you renting? Uh, what does that look like? Clearly, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of savings. So if you're a renter, it's unlikely you're going to get a down payment for a home and start a 15-year mortgage process to be out of debt. I mean, that's not going to happen. So that's one place to start. I would also note, Dame, depending on their income level, and this gets super weird and, and arguably condescending, if it's low enough, it's actually better because Social Security, if they've worked enough quarters, will 
uh, satisfy those obligations as opposed to a person who makes six figures who is behind the eight ball because there's no way you'll have the income replacement mechanism of Social Security. Yeah, Social Security replaces your income on a, a, a tiered system. So if, if Pete said, if, if you don't make all that much money, when Social Security uh, is is applied to your situation when you retire, it's chances are it's going to replace a lot higher of a percentage of what you are making uh, when you are working. So uh, that's not a horrible thing. But then as you make more money, uh, that gap is going to grow a little bit more and more, and it's going to be uh, your responsibility to come up with a difference in funds. How scared, ah, it's the wrong word. How concerned are you about this windfall coming to these people because of an accident settlement? And hopefully they're okay, right? We want these people to be okay in, in every respect. But do you get worried in situations like this when a windfall comes? I mean, I, I tend to, um, which isn't really fair, but the reality is if, if a person doesn't have a lot of resources, then they're probably not used to dealing with excess resources. And so I don't have a lot of hope. Uh, what do you think? I'm more optimistic for them because they're asking questions now True. rather rather than uh, thinking that they're just going to do what they feel is best and, and go forward. And they, they seem to have a desire to make this money stick because as they say, they want to be able to survive in retirement if they can ever retire at all. So it makes me optimistic that with a little bit of guidance, they're going to hopefully be able to keep their hands off of it and let it, uh, let it grow. I have an unhelpful comment. Please. I tend to, uh, this is judgmental. Yeah. I tend to find that people who have not had access to, uh, a lot of resources, which is a very relative term. When they do come upon a lot of resources, they overestimate those resources ability to serve them because they don't have experience to know what $300,000 can do or what a hundred thousand dollars can do or a million dollars can do. Um, I mean, look, it, it's not that different than, you know, professional athletes that I used to serve when I was an investment advisor. You, you, you have a signing bonus and it's, it's like, it's more money than you could have imagined, but it isn't enough money in many respects to continue a particular lifestyle for the perpetuity of your life. Yeah. That gets into a lot of, um, sociological issues as well on, on you know, the environment that you grew up in and the, the things that you were surrounded by. Um, and what you have been conditioned to do and how you value those relationships around you as well. So um, I, I may not have been part of that growing up, but I, I understand it on some level as well. But you're exactly right. It, it can absolutely submarine what would be a windfall. Coming up after the break, the biggest waste of money of the week, a historical one. It's actually pretty darn interesting. Don't miss it. It's next. I'm Pete the Planner. Uh, I always like when I'm like, well, this one's actually interesting. It sort of dismisses the last 12 years of biggest waste of money. <laughs> Not all 12 years. Um, let's play a game called like, what's on my desk. Okay. Play a game called what's on my home desk. The instructions to uh, my Weber grill, which I recently got a new grill. So uh, instructions to that. And then the next thing I will show you is a book that my father-in-law bought me for Christmas. Renegades. It's a book. Uh, between Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen 
uh they just talk about they just talk to each other about music and and careers and things i've yet to crack the spine on that thing um nice gift certainly appreciate it i i I am uh i I appreciate uh president obama Uh, i've read uh, all of his books um not a big boss fan though i'm not a big bruce i have nothing against the boss i'm sure he's great um i liked courtney cox in his video uh years ago um don't know a lot about him. I know his daughter was an equestrian Olympian, uh, but I don't know a lot about Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I just, uh, no, I don't have anything valuable to add there. Well, all right, Dame, let's do the final segment. Now, this is going to be a little tricky because I have to, uh, I'm on one screen, everybody. I'm on one screen because I'm at home. I will note during that last segment, I did not get distracted by the handsome dad, walked by, you should see him. He works out. He's got just like a ravishing smile. You're not, you don't care. I, I'm, I'm not as. Uh, Beauty's beauty, man. I, I don't disagree with that. Don't disagree it's with beautiful, that. Beautiful, I mean, man. Like, like if I were to say, who's your favorite Avenger? You'd almost certainly pick. You. Chris Evans? What? Uh, maybe, maybe. Oh, wow. I mean, just, you know, beauty is beauty. I mean, it's. Who would you? Who's your favorite? Who's the most beautiful Avenger? Is that what? Is that the? Is this getting no. weird? What's happening? No, you just said beauty is beauty, and I was there's. If you're going to pick your, there are female Avengers, but you went to a, a male Avenger, uh, so you're just recognizing that beauty is beauty. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Chris Hemsworth. He's an attractive man. Um, okay. I think anyone ever looks at you and they're like, "Wow, well, I feel sweaty." Anyone ever think about that about you? No, no, no one ever thinks about that about me either. It's okay. Well, we have other qualities. Sure, I don't think so. We don't think we do. Okay, uh, okay, this could be hard. Mm. There was my Yoda. So, mm. Okay, hold on. <laughs> this is hard. Um, I cannot believe my kids did not bother the show today. Well, you still got one segment to go. Uh, okay. Um, all right, I'm going to try my hardest here. Okay, and oh boy. Uh, okay, here we go. And. Uh, are you ready? Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is John Wilkes Booth's Swagger Stick. On April 14th, 1865, John Wilkes Booth shot and killed President Abraham Lincoln at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. When described on the day of the assassination, witnesses said... He held the reins of his gallant steed gathered firmly in his left hand, while in his right hand he carried a gold-mounted whip, seemingly more for ornament than use. The item alleged is the actor's ornate swagger stick, the 20-inch, 20, pardon me, I shorted him 8 inches. The 28-inch cane features a... Bl- Can you imagine walking on a 20-inch cane? He'd be hunched over. <laughs> the 28-inch cane features a black wooden replacement shaft oh, with a gold-plated handle in the shape of a horse's hind leg. It's engraved Neil Bryant to J.W. Booth. This feels like a, the subplot to National Treasure. It does. Uh, and was said to have been one of his prized possessions, having appeared in 11 different photographs of the assassin. It's a historic artifact that is currently up for bid. So, I mean, 
Dame, here's the thing about a cane that's got a golden horse hindquarter as the handle that was arguably involved with the assassination of a man that's on the penny. I I mean, would you feel bad about buying this? Um, only because I think it would be a, somewhat of a waste of money because you, you're not going to do anything with it other than, you know, put it in the umbrella thing by the door. I, 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 want, I want to do a thing here. I, I, I'm imagining right now that I'm, I've purchased this and I want to talk to you about how awkward it would be. I invite you over after you've mm. finished plowing my driveway uh-huh. and I invite you in. I'm like, Hey, good. What's your name? Damien. Good. Yeah. Thanks for the driveway plow. Um, I want to show you something. I just got this. And they let me walk in. <laughs> I walk in uh, and I'm like, hey, man, check this out. And you're like, oh, what, what is that? It's weird looking. It's like, no, this is a stick that an assassin was uh, had when he assassinated the president of the United States. And so imagine that you're in this situation, Dame. Like, what is your honest reaction to someone showing you? Oh yeah, I mean, the, the assassin who killed a man was holding this, and now I own it. I bought it. What, what do you think? Um, I, I think it was really cool, actually. I mean, it's it's interesting, but it feels pretty macabre. It's like totally it, right. Like I'm not into the macabre, so that's why the fifty thousand dollars starting bid is something I probably won't liquidate my depressed four hundred one k to get into. Pete, we work with somebody who would love this. We do. You don't think so? I'm trying to think who would be. They listen to podcasts about stuff like this all the time. Oh, the murders? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have some murderistas on our yeah. staff. Staff, this is a staff. Uh, anyway, game. what's in the news this Pete, week? Did you do- <laughs> wait, wait, did you just do the... <laughs> <laughs> you just did the dame, but you did. did Pete. I did. That was fun. Do you, uh, do you do your own taxes? No. I did one year, and... Boy, oh boy, was that a mistake. It was a massive mistake. Did you get love letters from the IRS? I don't know what happened. I just remember, I think I tapped out and ended up calling in help. I don't know why. It was the, it was the guy did them before that. And for one year, I was like, I'll do it. And then it was like, I failed. And then I got him back to save me. He's been my guy ever since. Fair enough. But, but I may have something that might make you reconsider. Oh, okay. What is it? If you use TurboTax to file your taxes, you now have the option to deposit your refund directly to a Coinbase account. The money can either be used to or be deposited in U.S. dollars or be sent to your account already converted to any of the hundred types of cryptocurrency available. (sighs) Coinbase says the choices include stable coins that are pegged to a real currency. Please note that real currency and fluctuate much less than typical crypto coins. You won't be charged with any trading fees if you choose to get your refund in crypto but you'll still be able to immediately convert your money into the cryptocurrency of your choice if you opt to get it in USD first. I mean, people could do whatever they want. I mean, really, do whatever you want. I mean, free, free. But, like, come on. I, and and the, the weird thing is, I, I'm sitting here thinking as you're reading that story, like, should something like this be regulated? Because I'm not, like, a hardcore regulation guy, but I also think there needs to be some regulation so people don't get hurt. Because this seems like a problem. It could be a big problem. There's um, there's actually a bill that was introduced on Thursday 
that would exempt Bitcoin transactions from tax obligations if the associated capital gains are $200 or less, which opens that up to being uh, allowing Bitcoin to be used uh, in more of a currency in more transactional ways. But right now, as it stands, every time you sell Bitcoin, you're generating a capital gain event. Can I admit something? Yeah. I cheer against Bitcoin as much as I used to cheer against Tom Brady. Really? Yeah. And I, I'm just being honest. And it's I, I don't love it about myself. Can you imagine the confusion that would have happened if Tom Brady had gone to Indianapolis instead of Tampa Bay? I could have gotten over it at the parade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of those guys. Uh what else was in the news? Well, do you want to go to uh, college? Talk cars, Pete. Uh, let's talk cars because I, I know all of them. You know what? I'm a big carb guy. Carb? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. carbohydrates. Yeah. Oh, I thought fuel injection yeah. versus carburetors. I thought no, we were no, going to no, have no, a little no. discussion on fuel injection there. Nope. Uh, used car prices may be starting to soften, the research is suggesting. After surging through the pandemic by as much as 50%, Prices in the used car market showed some easing in the last three weeks of January, according to car shopping app Copilot. Hmm. Uh, for cars that are one to three years old, a category that has driven much of the price jump, the average cost is, Pete, guessing game? Uh, is uh, is I mean, the dollar cost of the car or like the decrease? One, no, one to three year old car, what is the average selling price for a used one to three year old car? I'm about to embarrass myself and probably my entire family and our organization. Are you ready for this? Yes. 24500 So close. $41,121. Oh, I actually feel good. Like, I didn't want to overestimate and people call me bougie. So which I'm is, glad I underestimated. Which is down a little bit from the high of 42000 in early January. Uh, wow. The price of 2019 models have slid by 2.5%. While 2020 vehicles are down 4.4%. Uh, at the same time, dealer inventories have risen by 15% for 2019 cars and 22% for 2020 models. Older used cars average, you want to guess older used cars prices? Four to seven years old? dollars $24,500. $31,046. Up almost 50% from $20,757 before the pandemic. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, how about a, an old truck that has a snowplow on it? What? Do, what do, if you like? Here's a question: If you could, if you had to or wanted to sell your plow and truck, what do you think you could get for it? Honestly, do you, do you know these things? Um, I looked probably uh, last spring, and it was unbelievable. It would have been like between ten and fifteen thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Do you have time for one more story? Uh, College. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michigan University sent email notifications to thousands of students notifying them about a scholarship award valued at $48,000. Nice. The email was sent in there. What school is this? Oakland University in Rochester Hills, 28 miles outside of Detroit, Michigan, learned that due to a human error, their undergraduate student application system sent 5,500 admitted students email notifications they were awarded with one of the university's highest awards, the Platinum Presidential Scholar Award, valued at $12,000 a year for four years. That seems bad. Yeah. 
you know, and here's the thing. That's unfortunate, but you know, but no, the, all those pe- 5,500 people shouldn't be entitled to that. They can get over it, but you know there's going to be some sort of weird class action lawsuit. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, they, they weren't the only school either, but go ahead. Uh, Dame, thanks for being on the show this week. Everyone else, thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay warm, stay off the roads if they're bad. I don't know if that helps. Sending good vibes, good vibes are all within the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. That's the show. I don't know why I started that. Why? No, I I, I went. I was about to say the other school that uh, that screwed up. Oh, who was the other show? School that screwed up. Uh, Central Michigan University. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about that. Uh, Rick Swink makes it in. Rick, uh, Rick, thanks for being here. Uh, podcast people are like, man, I got to hang out with Rick. I'm like, Dame, last week after the show, you're like, oh, do you know Rick? I'm like, no, I just love the name Rick Swink. <laughs> I might know Rick. Rick, maybe we know each other. I have a terrible memory, but I'll just say this. I love the name Rick Swink, and I'm in. There you go. Uh, so, Dame, anything else you want to add? Because I have to go. I have a lot of important things. My email oh, inbox is filling up, and I'll tell you this. As soon as we get off the air, and depending on what the email says, I may be shooting you with slack one way or the other. Do you want to see if the email's there? No. No. <laughs> I, I don't. No, sir. I don't. Okay. All right. Well, I will... Um... I will patiently, patiently wait to see if I, I, I will do this. I will send you a slack either way. Uh, just say no big deal or a big <laughs> or deal. A big deal. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Guys, I'm going to be on American Idol. That's it. It's not, that, that would be a big deal. Um, I don't think so. I mean, whatever. I think Clay Aiken's running for some political office though, for what it's worth. He's ran previously. Yes. Uh, was it North Carolina that he's, he's in maybe previously? I think he ran for house of representatives if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, if Clay can take the heat. I mean, they get stuck in a kiln. Right. Okay, good day. Uh, Stay getting money.